0: My name is Hamish. Welcome to Extraordinary Ordinary. I'm thrilled to be welcomed, to, welcomed today by Danny Britz. Welcome, Danny.
1: Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you, you for having me.
0: Not at all. Thanks yeah. for reaching out. So this episode is going to be different to every episode I've ever done. Um, the reason for that is, firstly, we met about 45 minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. um, so this is a rare one when you reached out to me. You're a friend of Natasha's who was yeah. on the most recent episode. Um, and as a result of that, you've been very... Clear that we want this to be as raw, as honest as it can be. That's it. Um, and I think as a result of that, what I want to try to do with this one is I don't want to write lots of questions. What I usually do is I write lots of questions, then I'll ask some of them and some of them I won't. This one I feel like this should be as organic as it can be.
2: Love that. No,
0: I don't want to know all the facts and figures and all of that sort of stuff before. I'd rather just discover it together. Beautiful. Um, and I hope that this will help anyone who's trying to have these conversations with their friends. Mm-hmm. So rather than it be, I've done all my research and done all these questions and it comes across scripted, this is the way that I go about having these conversations with people. It's not the right way or the wrong way, um, but maybe it will help someone out there. Sounds good.
1: Um, I'm stoked.
0: And then we hope it helps you and we hope it helps anyone going through similar sort of stuff to you um, and any friends that are trying to help their mates through That is the goal.
1: That is the goal. Sharing experiences.
0: That is exactly it. So you've had a turbulent... 14, 15 months. Yes.
1: Okay.
0: Absolutely. So the way that we'll go about it is I will loosely line out the time frame.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, What I always like to do is start with talking about your relationship with your parents and your upbringing. Yeah. Because I kind of always feel like I learn little bits about you through you talking about your parents. Sure. And that's the fun light bit. Yeah. And then we can talk about all the good things. And then we can get into all it's the good It's making me produces. smile already. I'm good. thinking
1: of all the memories. Good.
0: Well, we've got a photo of them here in front of us. Yeah. So this is going to help. They're smiling at us anyway. Um, okay. So December 2019. Yes. Your dad passes away.
1: That's correct.
0: So this was cancer and it was very sudden. Yeah. And he was your best, best mate.
1: Best mate. Okay. So the thing with my dad, it was, it was more of the shock factor of it all. Mm-hmm. Um. I knew he was ill. He had lost lots of weight. um, And he was putting a lot of pressure on me to go home for Christmas Mm -hmm. that year.
0: Home in South Africa? Yeah. We are recording this in Australia. That's it.
1: So, um, he was putting a lot of pressure on me to go back to South Africa for Christmas 2019. And obviously with work and being... I was still in hospitality. It's it's really difficult to take that time off. So... um, yeah i know i noticed that he had started losing quite a bit of weight he wasn't eating much even when i went home prior to that i saw a massive difference in his health in his energy Mm -hmm. um and we just carried on because he was still he was a massive smoker so he was still um smoking heaps Mm -hmm. and we thought okay well we can't be that bad um (laughs) if he's
0: smoking it can't be that bad (laughs) yeah
1: and he used to smoke like a chimney as well so um, he phoned me, mom and dad phoned me the one day and said, daddy has just been coughing and he passed out from the coughing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow. Okay. Um, let me speak to him. And I spoke to him and he had slurred like speech and he just didn't seem all with it. And I said, she's a, like, how long can he not sleep for? And I said, at least four to six hours, like mm-hmm. keep him awake that just in case he's got a concussion mm-hmm. so we did that and obviously I was always on my dad have you gone to the hospital have you gone to the doctor you need to see a doctor and no 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 I'll go typical he's born Rhodesian so he's typical hardcore Rhodesian man
2: mm-hmm.
1: and he was just so stubborn and then is he
0: the kind of man that went to the doctor five times in his life <laughs> probably yeah yes, okay Yeah.
1: absolutely And I was putting major pressure on him to go to the hospital. And I phoned him the one day. I was phoning him like maybe twice a day. Time difference is really hard as well. Mm -hmm. And I remember phoning him and I said, Dad, have you gone to the doctor yet? And he said, no, I'm going today. And this is probably about three or four days where it's like I've been begging him to go, go, go. And I lost it and I screamed at him on the phone and I said you are so selfish I'm 15,000 kilometres away from home I'm trying to help you you need to go to the hospital you need to go and speak to somebody or someone needs to look and see what's wrong with you because his speech was still not okay and I think that shocked him a bit because I was really angry and it wasn't, it wasn't anger of he's done something wrong it was fear it was coming from yeah, I was yeah. scared because I had a feeling something was off And um, that was the last time I spoke to him. Wow. Yeah. That was the the last time I spoke to my dad.
0: That's okay. You can cry as much as you want. Yeah. Okay. So are your parents together? Yeah. They were
1: together, I think, 46 years
0: oh my word okay that's yeah. incredibly inspiring okay and then do you have siblings yes as well about that yeah
1: i've got a i've got an older brother he's three years older than me his name's sean and he still lives in south africa
0: yeah. okay so this was not a battle you were fighting by yourself your no your brother and your mum were both the yeah. same let's get you to hospital when you-.
1: the craziest thing about it all was Shawnee lives in johannesburg and my mum and my dad were living in durban mm-hmm. so Sean, it was over Christmas. My dad died the 30th of December, 2019. So my brother was going for Christmas. Yeah, yeah. And this was probably a week prior to the day he died. And he said he got there. My dad was lying on the couch and he hadn't moved. Mm. My dad was the kind of guy that would shower. He would always smell divine. Yeah. And hair was done, you know, oil of lay or... Mm Olay, however Australians or you guys call it, um, on his face and beautiful aftershave. Smelled good, always looked good. And my brother said he was lying on the couch and in a state, like Mm. 15 kgs skinnier. My mum was in the bedroom, couldn't help herself because my mum was sick. She had Parkinson's disease. So Mm. she was stage five of Parkinson's disease by the stage, which is the worst. So my dad was my mom's sole carer Yeah, and um, dad was still working. He would wake up, go to work, come home, get my mom to take her pills, feed my mom, do all this stuff because my mom started not being able to walk, look after herself. Um, And anyway, my brother got there and and saw the state of both of them. And just before that, I think two weeks before my brother got there, he was held up at gunpoint at 3 a.m., So he was dealing with that trauma and then he went to Durban for Christmas, hoping for beautiful family Christmas and then saw my dad and I'm not really, it's weird because I can barely remember a lot of the things I think because of the trauma, my mind automatically just blocks it out. But I remember I was on my way to work it was quarter to nine. In the morning and my brother's girlfriend phoned me and normally it's super late then I just knew something was wrong Mm. and I was like what's wrong and she says dad's battling to breathe Shawnee's called an ambulance but we're gonna just take him South African ambulances take a while so Sean put him in the car and took him to the hospital and as soon as he got on the stretcher he coded Mm. so he went into I think it was cardiac arrest and my poor brother obviously witnessing what he'd been through beginning of December was having to relive or re go through a different type of trauma by seeing his dad being, you know, CPR being performed on him, pops being shoved down his throat and you know, my mom wasn't great emotional support. She's was ill mm. and I'm here. So it was devastating for him and yeah, they, they, stabilized my dad my dad was in the what is it called like the research room and by this point they were like you need to get home and you need to get home now yeah so this was a couple months before covid and um i was just like right i need to get home so i had my one of my best friends nate he was there he's actually my ex partner of mine that has just been he was just phenomenal through the whole process and then i had a really good friend jess that was there with me and nate was on the phone because i still had a visa so i didn't know i had to find there were so yeah. many factors that i had to go through to see if i could leave the country how long i could leave the country for um so he was on the phone to an immigration lawyer jess was on the uh, on the laptop looking at the cheapest flights or how there were cheap flights but it would take me 48 hours yeah, to get yeah, there yeah. I was on the computer. I had a friend of mine in Sydney, Dave, and he was he was doing it as well and we were just refreshing constantly and we finally found a flight, booked it and I can't remember the rest.
0: Yeah.
1: I can't remember getting, I can't remember who fetched me from the airport. I can't remember anything mm. from, from, from here till when I got there because it was just, all right, I have to pick, Family comes first. I yeah. have to try and make my family better. But during this, the doctor had had my dad on resus and they had to move him to ICU. And with moving him, he coded again. Mm-hmm. And his heart was obviously so weak and his organs started failing. So he, his heart just wasn't strong enough to be resuscitated again and he died. And I remember I was on the phone with Dave, <clears throat> excuse me, and Dave was, I said, my brother's phoning, I need a phone, I'll phone you back. And I just knew. Mm. And as soon as Shawnee...
0: Where were you when you took that phone I was.
1: I was in the Gold Coast. Okay. And um, as soon as Shawnee phoned me, he says, daddy's gone. Mm. And I just, I broke down. Like, I've never experienced that kind of... <clears throat> you see it on, on movies where somebody's like holding their chest and you think oh how dramatic yeah 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 but i'd never lost anyone so and it, it's exactly like that i just kept saying no 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 jess was there Nate had gone to get food so it was just Jess dealing with me and i was just screaming but like she said she says now it's like a blood-curdling cry
2: mm
1: like painful and she didn't know what to do I was on the floor I was getting up I was shaking I was moving and I didn't know how to deal with what my dad's gone like my person yeah. and um, yeah that was a really tough day I think
0: so is this how you literally just booked the flights and you're like right yeah it's go time yeah then, then, and
1: funny enough I said to said to my brother I was like, so my dad obviously was in a bit of a coma. So my, I said, please, can you just put the phone to dad's ear?
0: Sorry. Take your time. Plenty of time.
2: I remember.
1: Begging him to wait. I remember shawnee put me on speaker and i said take me off speaker i just want to have a word with dad (laughs) and i said please just wait for me to get home i was like i know you're strong just wait for me to get home to say goodbye and then 15 minutes later i got the call from my brother and i think i was so angry i was so angry i was angry at the how do you move how do you move him in that kind of state? I was like the, the incompetence of the staff at the Mm -hmm. hospital. I just wanted someone to blame. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: And, um, yeah, I think Jess said, and and Nate said that they will never forget that phone call because it was me begging my Mm -hmm. dad, just like he wasn't there, but I've got the belief that he, he heard me or, yeah, that makes me sleep at night Mm -hmm. but I just I think my dad if I had to look at mine and my dad's relationship my mom was my brother's person they were mommy's little boy Mm -hmm. and I was daddy's little girl so if anyone could deal with it it was my brother and if anyone could deal with my mom's death it was me yeah so yeah that was it was intense and then three days later touchdown in Johannesburg hopefully I don't even remember yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, I
1: have to look at I have to go through emails to see if did I fly into Joburg or did I fly into Durban Wow. yeah I can't remember who fetched me from the airport but yeah and then we had to just pack mom the whole house up mm-hmm. to get that my mom back to Johannesburg where her support network her friends her people were and it, that was horrific that was that's years 30 years of memories mom coming no don't throw that away don't throw this away and i'm like mom like where are we going to put all this stuff and i think in that moment that was the i used to put a lot of value on materialistic objects or things and i was just like it's just stuff you haven't seen this stuff for 20 years because it's been in a storage unit She's like, you can't throw that away. You can't. And I remember just having a massive fight with them because yeah. I was like, we were trying to keep her away. She had to help her. And God, it was so hectic. She came wheeling out to come and see what we were throwing yeah. away and like donating. And um, Shawnee and I, we had a massive fight because there was so much emotion. And I think in a sense... I know he's never admitted this to me and I I hope if he listens to this he could answer this question but I think my brother holds a certain level of resentment because he had to deal with that by himself. And then when I got home I was, I I thought, um, very naive of me, I was like oh I've gone through all the stages now I'm at stage whatever and it's anger.
2: Yeah.
1: It's been a week. Like absolutely not. But when I I was in that that stage of just angry, and I got home and Sean and I got into a fight. You know, we were trying to look after my mum and mum was in nappies by then, so we had to take turns. I don't have the strongest stomach, so I would try and put that off, mm-hmm. so and I would do something around the house or go get the groceries or slack on that chore. Yeah, and Sean just cracked it at me the one day we had, probably the biggest fight we've. We've ever had and now he's, he's 33 years and my 30 years almost. Mm. And from there, that's where we realised, wow, we've got a lot of work to do here, mm. but we've also got to keep our stuff together for the sake of my mum. Mum was priority number one. Yeah. So.
0: I think anyone, anyone that's lived abroad mm. will feel for you in that, our biggest fear not living at home is getting that phone call mm. right that is the biggest mm. fear anyone can can yeah. can go through you know, i think getting getting that phone call anyway is always horrific but if you're on the other side of the world it yeah. feels much worse
1: i think it's sheer panic yeah you wish you could teleport mm-hmm. that's all i kept thinking i wish i could close my eyes and just be there yeah and you you go into desperation it's like sheer what can I do? And that plane ride, I remember going, that flight, going to the doctor before and I was like, you need to knock me out. <laughs> what do you got? <laughs> what do you have? <laughs> and this is just to bring some humor to the story because this is, this is me. This is the kind of person I am. So the doctor goes, cool, I'll, I'll prescribe you some Diazepam. <laughs> I was like, great. What is that? She's like, just take a quarter. It's this tiny little pill. I was like, cool, no worries. And I think this is why I can't remember the flight, actually. Well, and, you can remember the next yeah, week from yeah. me, yeah. <laughs> and I remember sitting, I got into the, the the seat and I cracked it open and I broke, I was like, quarter? It's so little. Half, through half back. I sat there and I was like, 20 minutes, oh, hadn't even no. taken off yet, nothing no, this happened. this was going. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, bugger it, I'm going to take the other half and... I woke up probably about eight hours later, drooling on my, my neighbour.
0: Yeah, good.
1: You know, I was like, I'm so sorry. And he's like, I saw what you took. <laughs> and he's like, you very little to have such a great dosage. <laughs> and I was just like, it helped. I've only got like five hours left,
0: so. My brother's got a story about taking a sleeping pill from Hong Kong to England, but he, yeah. had, a, he had a stopover somewhere for hours. <sighs> he just remembers getting on taking the pill in Hong Kong, waking up in London. No memory of being in an airport for five or six hours, walking around, somehow so, getting on the next connecting look, flight.
1: It, it's not um, enabling drug use, but I mean, when it's needed because you're so emotional, it I think, and you need to, it did its job. Yeah. And that's probably the last time I'd ever taken that. <laughs> <laughs> it scared me. It
2: well, really scared so, me.
0: Um, so yeah, coming back. So you, yeah. you get this horrific phone call. Yeah. Thirteen months later, you're back in Australia at this stage. Yep. So it is. Uh, what is it? Is it January twenty twenty one? Yeah. So this is three months ago. Yeah. You get the phone call again. Yeah. And it's this time. It's your mum. Yeah. So she had been sick for a long time. Definitely. Yep. Was that Since. one more expected, less less of a shock because of that, hmm. or not?
1: Very much so. So it was it was less less of a shock but a lot more guilt Mm -hmm. from, from my experience, because I remember I went for dinner with friends the night of, and my brother had been, we'd been in good communication with each other about my mom's health and you know, COVID there is pretty rife at the moment. So it would, it had gotten into the home and I was really, that was my biggest fear that it would get into the home and it would spread like wildfire and, um, I know one of my mom's friends that was in the home had also just lost his life to COVID Mm. complications. So that was our biggest fear. And I remember Shawnee was saying she's super weak. My mom was weighing 46 kilos or 40 something kilos. And my mom was my heart, heart growing up my my whole life. She was always a taller woman, Mm -hmm. looked after herself really well, trained every day, swam every day, epitome of health. And, um, When I was 21, she was diagnosed. So she had been nine years. She had had lived with the the illness. And then normally Parkinson's goes into dementia. Mm -hmm. That's normally what happens. And neither of those kill you, but Parkinson's throws off your balance. So I think so does dementia. I could be wrong about that. But normally a fall or you get sick. And um, I remember Shawnee was saying she, she was getting, she had like, a chest infection or something. So I said, cool. And I had a photo shoot I was doing at work that Friday night. And I saw a missed call from him and I was just about to start the photo shoot. And I phoned him and I said, is it urgent? And he said, no. I said, can I, must I keep my, um, phone on loud? Yeah. And he's like, yeah, absolutely. He says, but do your photo shoot Phone me later. Perfect. Went out, had my dinner after my photo shoot was at the same venue and then went home. And I remember in the morning, I woke up and I just, I woke up weirdly. I, I, I normally wake up without an alarm, but I woke up like a shot up. And I immediately grabbed my phone and I just saw all the messages from my brother. And he said, mom's gone.
0: Oh, so this time it was a message. You this read time it. it was
1: a message because he was trying so hard to get in contact with me, obviously phoning me. And I didn't, I I, I had drinks that Mm. night at dinner, of course. So I was really fast asleep. And then I woke up and number one, I was like, wow, my head hurts. Number two, oh my God, my mom's gone. Mm. So I got up and I, I ran out and my friend Jace, he was my roommate at the time, was just like, what's going on? And I was like, my mom's gone. And I just kept saying, no, no, no. And then I sat on the ground, and it was weird because I was like, okay, I'm shocked, I'm hurting, but why don't I feel as bad as what I did when my dad died?
0: Yeah, I was going to ask this.
1: And then I looked at Jace, and I was like, why don't I feel like that? Mm. And then I started crying more, and I was like, I, I don't feel sad. I feel relieved.
2: Mm.
1: And he looked at me, and he was like, he didn't know what to say. He didn't know how to deal with me. And he he just said, sweetheart she was sick for a long time and I was like but she's my mum why don't I feel that deep hurt and I think after I thought about it I just stayed at home that whole day just literally stayed in my PJs and just embraced being sad and being in the grief Mm -hmm. but I in that moment I thought to myself that's okay um, my, I was my, my dad, I will never experience a relationship ever again as close as what I was with my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, he would know exactly what I was thinking without me saying it. He would know exactly, every, every little thing he had to say he was the most inappropriate man as well.
0: Okay, good. <laughs> it was great.
1: Um, so highly inappropriate, highly dry, like such a dry sense of humor. And he was just wicked. And he just, we got each other. You know, you, you have that person, whether it be a partner or a friend or a parent, a grandparent that just gets you. And my dad just got me. He used to be like, you're tough as nails. He's like, you like my mother. Tough as nails. But... I think when my dad died, that was me just shedding that away. That was me going, I'm not superhuman. I feel and I need to stop being so hard. (laughs) And then when mum died, I threw my mind back to that lesson. And I thought to myself, you're gentle with the people around you. You need to be gentle with yourself. And um, I couldn't go home. I phoned yeah. my brother and I was like, what do I do? do you, I can come home. I can. I don't have to um, quarantine when I get there, but I'll quarantine when I get back. back. Yeah, yeah. I'll make a plan. Yeah. And he just says, there's no point in you coming home because we can't do a funeral. Mm-hmm. We still haven't had it from my mum because mm-hmm. it's so rough. It's, it's just crazy there. I think it's still 1,500 yeah. cases a day.
0: So do you feel as if that getting the news about your mum it not hitting home in the same way. Yeah. Was because you'd been through it once, you're like, I know how this plays out now. Mm. Or do you think it was the fact that you were still effectively reeling from the loss of your dad? So, you know, you'd reached rock bottom. There wasn't as far to fall when you got the news the second time.
1: We're going to get into it now. So with dad, I got back from South Africa after... Um, my dad's funeral and going home I was there for a month got back started a new job. In my my business mind I have to keep it together.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: If I deal with my dad now, my work will fall behind my career falls behind. keep going. put that off there'll be a there'll come a time where you can grieve your dad
2: mm-hmm.
1: and started the new job and then... Sydney opportunity came and then went to Sydney and started that job but in in amongst all of this I was subconsciously distracting myself seeing friends going out going on dates constantly having people around so where do you have time to sit in grief you know what I mean I thought I'd I thought I was grieving but a month is not long enough it's a it's a I think it's a lifelong process especially when you lose somebody so close to you Mm -hmm. got to Sydney and I had a partner at the time and he he worked night shift so it was one of those things where I was working during the day and then I was home alone at Mm. night and that that right there was the universe being like, you don't want to deal. This is what we're going to do. This is a situation I'm going to throw you in. So you can, you have no escape. You've got no friends, you've got no distractions. You're going to sit. And I remember I was fighting with him all the time. You're not home. You're not home. And I I remember asking myself one night, why? I've I've always loved being alone. I love my own company. I enjoy it. It's healthy. It's, I enjoy my space. But I hated it then. Mm. And I I had a really honest conversation with myself saying, I hate it because this comes up. And that's when I I started watching some YouTube videos and educating myself on grief and the different stages. I think there's seven different stages of grief. Um, And I was like, but I, I haven't felt that. I haven't felt that. And I realized, oh my goodness, I haven't even started. And that was... my dad died so that was
0: 15 months
1: yeah 15 months and that was when I first moved to Sydney so that was last year August 2020 and that's the only that's when I started grieving my dad and then I just started mate talking through it and speaking to my closest people about it not being ashamed to cry because when, when that cry comes, it comes. And it, it won't stop until I think your body and your heart feel like, okay, I've had enough. And I was suppressing it for so long, I needed a tool to help me write down my thoughts. So I started journaling. And I've always journaled here and there, but I got really deep into my journaling. And I remember my first journal, I read it back, two days out I was like, well, oh, that's a whole bunch of BS. I literally lied to myself yeah, in my yeah, first yeah, journal. Yeah. And that's where you're supposed to be your most honest. <laughs> and I think I was lying to myself in my journal because I had this fear of somebody finding my journal. Yeah. And that was me not being okay with vulnerability. And I was like, scratch that, start it again. And some hectic, deep, dark, things came out where it was, I admitted to myself that I wish it was me that went and not my dad. Yeah. That was tough because I've never been a depressed person. I've never felt as though, oh, this life's too much. I can't live it anymore. But it was just the sheer love for my dad that I wish I went
2: mm.
1: because I didn't want to grieve him.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: And I, that's selfish thinking of it because My dad couldn't have lost me because I'm his child. I don't think there's any pain like that. And that's the kind of stuff I was writing in my journal. It was deep, dark things. And I remember saying to myself, you write this, you can be your own therapist because you'll look back in a different mind frame and you'll learn from yourself. And that's what I started doing. And the more I wrote, the lighter it became the less it became i would write journals that were <laughs> just ridiculously long a novel and that was my outlet of getting it out before i started becoming that helped me become more vulnerable
0: so talk to yourself before you felt comfortable talk to friends that's
1: it there's
2: something Articulate about it. that
0: six month period and I, you, know, you say you hadn't done your grief in but it sounds like of those seven stages one is anger isn't mm. it which came immediately for you yep. And then one is denial, isn't it? Which sounds like it lasted for maybe six months for you. Um, But there's something about that six months period that I've noticed has come up a lot in that some people, I guess, in your situation, you just deny and don't deal with it. Park it and ignore it and throw yourself into work. and Yeah, yeah, I'll come to that when I've got time. Um, Or it appears, and this is almost darker, that there is like a honeymoon phase mm-hmm. where all of the attention is on you and, and obviously you're not living at home, but mm-hmm. people who were living at home, had always had godparents coming over and uncles and aunts cooking mm-hmm. and attention, 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 and you can just sort of, oh, it's kind of lovely. We've mm-hmm. always got friends and family around. And then somebody else loses a parent or somebody goes through a breakup or something goes through something and you're not the focus anymore. That's it. And then, and it's usually six months, whatever reason, mm-hmm. six months, suddenly you're alone and it hits home. Um, and that's inevitably you know, what, what happened in your situation. But I guess the difficult thing for you is six months happened, you start dealing with it, and then eight months after that, nine months after that, mm-hmm. your mum happens. Yep. So how, how long was it in between you journaling and admitting all these things to yourself, and then finally choosing the friend or choosing the family men- mm. member that you wanted to have that initial conversation with? So open up.
1: Six months number six yeah. yeah. so that was a good six months of me starting um, this personal development journey I got to a stage of it started affecting my work and me being who I am I've always been very driven very career focused and I remember writing in my journal um, I've got it actually
0: Yes, let's hear I it. This will be good.
1: To... So I started writing in my journal, and actually, I got a friend to send it to me the other day. Um, well, where
0: do do you send a journal extract to a friend? Yes. Rather than say it, is that easier?
1: So this is this is what helped me. Um, one of probably my best friend. Um, We met a while ago, went our separate ways and then um, he phoned me, I think, three days after my mom died. And it was weird because it was like history repeating itself because when my dad died, he phoned me on New Year's Eve and was like, Daddy, what are you doing tonight? And I was just so... Zombied, mm. And I was like, my dad died. And he was like, oh my, I don't even know what to say. I'm so sorry. And I think at that point in his life, he didn't know how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, Anyway, I obviously moved. We had our own lives and that was that. And we would message here and there again. Um, And then we got in contact again. We still can't remember how really we got into talking again. And he phoned me. Two days after my mom, my mom died. And same thing. Danny, what's happening? Like, really amped up. And again, my mom died. Mm. And it was like history repeating itself. Yeah. And his reaction was exactly the same as what it was with my dad. But he was more emotionally mature to deal with it. And I was expecting, oh, my, I'm so sorry, blah, blah, blah. But he was like... I know you don't want to talk about it, but I'm here if you want to talk about it. And I think it was because he wasn't so close then, where I was like, I'm going to talk about it.
0: Yeah. Cool. So easier to open up to someone who yeah. is less...
1: And, less involved. Nipped. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. And it, how it's all unfolded was him just listening and me just sharing my experience because we were both, we've both been on this personal development thing with me, not knowing his journey and him not knowing mine, but all of a sudden how we are, I'm helping him, he's helping me. And the more he's vulnerable with me, the more I'm trusting to be vulnerable with him. And that's where majority of my healing has come from
2: Mm.
1: is picking that one person to say the deepest, darkest things to and not be scared of judgment. Because I think with vulnerability, when my whole life people will look at me and it's been said, Oh, you you've got your I don't know if I can spare it. On. You've got your shit together. But in meantime I'm thinking, Oh, God no, no, I don't. But it's just a persona. It's just you keep going, you get your shit done. And I thought to myself, this is the one person that's gonna know I don't have my stuff together and I don't have it all figured out. And the more I spoke, the more I journaled. And then it was, I think he sent his first journal entry to me. Nice. And he broke that like barrier. And I remember sitting there and reading my journal and going, I can't send this to him, like talking in my, like having a conversation with myself being like, this is the most, this is trust
0: yeah isn't that interesting though, the journey you went on on it with your journals you wrote your first one line to yourself because you're scared that someone's going to read yeah. it and then at this stage you're sending it to someone yeah.
1: and i remember just going ah! and pushing send <laughs> and sending it to him and i remember going oh my god oh my god what is he going to reply to this and his, i can't remember his response but it was so judgment free mm-hmm. and so beautiful and that's where we started him helping me me helping him and through that process is where my grief really i started dealing with it unpacking it talking to him about it sharing my experiences with him giving him perspective and it's not it's not advice we we don't have advice we don't i don't like the word advice Mm -hmm. because your experiences to mine are so different how can I advise you on something that I don't really know everything about?
0: I think this is a mistake that all of us make.
1: All the time.
0: Is that we go, oh, you lost your parents. Cool. My friend David lost his parents. You guys should chat. And you go, no, 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 different no. Different
1: experiences. Completely
0: different experiences. Different how it works.
1: And he was sharing his experiences with me. And then I would share my experiences with him. And I know he he's so into he was so into work and he was so driven and you know would miss family christmases and me talking to him about my experience and how i wish i went home for that christmas with my dad Mm. i said to him you cannot miss another christmas with your family it's when you're on this planet and you've got all your people or all your family and friends still here with you it's little things like that there's next christmas yeah my dad was sick and gone in two weeks.
2: Mm.
1: You think your parents are fine one day, they can be sick and gone in a week. Sometimes that's better, it's less suffering, it's, but harder for you to digest. And harder for the people to, that they leave behind to digest. And I remember the journal entry, and I would love to read it to yeah, you. Yeah, please do,
0: thank you for sharing it.
1: Um, this was just one of the realisations that I had um of it's just stuff. So when
0: is this from? So Dad Dad went December? How how long after that we now?
1: So Daddy went December, I went a full eight months, nothing. No journals, yeah. August twenty twenty last year, I started doing some personal development work and then started journaling. And then, beginning of this year, just after my mum died, did I start... I'd already done my internal grieving, my internal work, and then it was, I need to share this with somebody. Because brother and I don't talk too much. Mm -hmm. My friends, I never want to burden anybody.
0: Yeah, so when they approached you, during those first six months Mm. and you know tried to get you to talk about it Mm. were you just shutting that down i was just just like yeah i'm good i'm stoked
1: what are we doing let's let's go do something cool um benny one of he's like a brother to me i remember him i remember phoning him one night and i was lying on my my bedroom floor and it was just, it was crazy. It was just motion. Uh, mm. And i he phoned me and normally I would never answer because I was in such a state. And when I saw him phoning me, I was like, Ben? And he was like, what's wrong? And I just, I cried as hard as I cried the day my dad died. Mm. And I remember me crying on the phone and him just listening and saying, you need to sort this out. And I, he was probably one of the first people I admitted to that I wish I went and not my dad.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And that broke his heart. Mm. I think he he started getting a little bit emotional on the phone because I'm always that bubbly person that's always keen for a joke and some good banter. And for I think for him to hear me so broken and scared, he knew this is serious. Mm. And when mum died, his first words were, You need to deal with this. You need you don't want to repeat of what, what you went through with your dad. Yeah. And it's those kinds of people that I have in my life that are so raw and so okay with being that honest, where it's like, You're right, I listened. Yeah. Um this journal entry is
0: We'll find out. I'll give up. you some time to find it. Um, but it's such a I think that is such a interesting lesson, you know, that I think a lot of us feel at a loss to know what to say to someone who's going through grief yeah and in your situation what helped you was not someone wanting to ask you about how you're feeling but to reveal something about how they're feeling Yeah, which feels like such an unnatural thing to do to rig up someone who's just lost a parent and go so here's the shit that i'm going through in my life you know that feels weirdly <laughs> self-obsessed and selfish but in a weird twisted way yeah that helped you open up about what you are going through. Yep. So I guess that's a lesson for us to learn that either just be vulnerable all the time so it doesn't feel out of out of place to ring someone up when they're grieving and say something revealing yep. about yourself out of the blue. Um, but that can be the gateway to give you permission to okay cool that's you're it. vulnerable too now I can now I can talk about these things.
1: I think with me with in my, within my my friend circle I've always been that friend that people come to. Um, I've got a few friends that will go through something and they'll phone me because I'm so blunt and I'm so honest Mm -hmm. and I love my friends like they are are my family now they are my chosen family so I've got that responsibility of I never want to sugarcoat it or or tell someone what they want to hear because that's just not going to help them
2: Mm.
1: and I remember me thinking if I'm that friend I can't be the weak one and I remember just speaking to people and, yeah, not divulging too much into it. When mom died, my job, my, my employer, take as much time as you need. Mm. I took two days. I felt guilty because I was taking time off work. And now I think to myself, damn it, I should have taken like a little bit longer off. Yeah, yeah. Because it would have, would have helped me a little bit more but that's me and you have to embrace how you deal with it. And you have to, yes, I know I have to deal with it. And I'm I'm on that journey to deal with it. But I think me going in, diving into my work, that was me trying to deal with it. And then once the dust had settled, I was like, this is it, this Mm. is where it starts. And this is where the journaling about my mum comes in, the journaling about my development, like my personal journey comes in. And that's when I started reading books and finding out what really mattered to me because you go, one thing I've noticed is society sets so many weird standards of what gives you purpose or what makes you happy. Buy this phone, it's going to give you fulfilment you go and spend two grand on a phone and it's just a phone Mm -hmm. or buy this car, have this house. Or when I was packing up my mom and my dad's things, I sat back and I thought, this is just stuff. My dad's not leaving with this stuff. My dad's left this stuff here for all of us to pack up. And it's most likely going to go into a storage unit or it's going to be in somebody else's house. Mm -hmm. And to me, and this is what this, this paragraph in this journal is about, it's about my realisation of it's just stuff and it's getting close. Hang on. I'm so close. to I, know, I, feel, like, I feel like we've ah. had
0: people on Ted hooks about this. <laughs> I know. But we'll get there. We'll get there. We're currently scanning for a phone. To find
1: Driving it. We will, we me mad. It's okay. It's, no it's so, it's so true. Here it is. Got it. Okay. So one of the paragraphs, one of my, put my realizations through all of this is career will always be there. So put your career on hold Mm -hmm. to grief, to grieve, because if your career, you can always bounce back to, you can always recover from, but if you let yourself slip emotionally, mentally, physically to a point of no return, that, 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 that's real, Mm -hmm. that you can slip into massive depression. And I could feel myself doing that. I've never really believed in, my ignorance never believed in depression. I was like, how can you just lie in bed and not get up? Mm. Because I never experienced it myself. I was like, it's all in your head, it's all in your mind. Just tell yourself, get up and and go. Ignorance. Mm. And then this happened, Mum happened, all, a whole cycle of everything just came crashing down. And I was like, I get it now. Are more empathetic towards people that go through in mental health. It's a massive thing. Mm. And this paragraph is one of my biggest realizations. So,
2: um,
0: this is one of the long entry days. Yeah, <laughs> is, you as can you see scroll it, right? further and further down, <laughs> this is a long entry date, people. We're choosing one, one paragraph. Yep, okay. Read as much of it as you want.
1: Okay, so this is I've realized that my biggest goal at this point in my life is no longer my career, it's personal development. It's facing the shit I have not been strong enough nor willing to face. It is becoming the, per- the woman I want, desire, and am destined to be. Because if I don't face my traumas, my disappointments, my failures, how am I ever going to find something I am passionate about when i when everything is masked by my baggage? I first need to fix and perfect what is broken to rebuild something great. I've gone through my life working hard to be the woman I am today, especially in business, that straightforward, blunt, cocky and competitive woman I, pri- I am and pride myself to be. But I've come to realize that I don't want the things that I thought I did, and that's okay, and I finally accept that about me, about myself. That side of me is deeply installed in me, and that side of me will never disappear because that is how I'm genetically wired. That will make a comeback, but for now there are other areas of my life that I need to prioritize to make room for the rewards that will later follow. I can't believe I'm reading this. It's, I know it's this is liberating. <laughs> <laughs> um, when it's my time to leave this life, I want to be put fulfilled. I will never know if my mum and dad left this earth being fulfilled, and that scares the absolute shit out of me. The biggest lesson I took out of lo- losing both of my parents in such a short space of time was, "Your career doesn't go with you. your investments don't go with you, your stuff doesn't go with you. Your material wealth all stays behind and your family, the people you love the most, your kids, your wife or husband are unfortunately left to pack it all away. And the sad part about that is it will almost almost likely fit into a storage unit. Mm. When I leave this earth, my integrity, my deep rooted connections, memories, experiences, deep rooted life lessons, my morals and values will all come with me. That's what matters to me being the person I was destined to be that shit matters making sure I'm doing amazing job teaching my kids right from wrong ensuring I have done the best job and raising them or that's just waffling now but this was all what I realized with going through my grief mm. because if I, my mom and my dad never died I would never have gone on this journey and I said it to my best mate the other day and I said, Will, there was a greater reason of my mum and my dad leaving this planet or me going through what I'm going through because I feel as though I've I've found myself Mm. through that. They've always... Your parents are always there to protect you. But when you don't have that anymore. You rely on you. And I've felt. Especially over the past month. Maybe eight weeks. Proud. And knowing. My mum and my dad are seeing it. (laughs)
0: so you set me off
1: (laughs) because they're seeing it more now than what they would have being alive in South Africa
2: Mm.
1: and that makes me so grateful that I've taken something so negative in inverted commas or hurtful and I could have either lost that battle Lost that fight. But what I've learned is I've sat in it and I've hurt. I'm shaking. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> and I've embraced the emotions that I've always never wanted to embrace because you're scared of being perceived as weak mm-hmm. or you being sorry for yourself. And my biggest pet peeve is self pity. I cannot my thing is is you you don't like it change it. And I wasn't taking my own advice. And losing mom and dad. I don't know if they're doing some crazy magic in the back. <laughs> lines. I've thought about
0: this. I put in some strings back there. Yeah,
1: I've really thought about this. That's a whole different podcast, I think. <laughs> but I was like, I wonder if they're working their magic. This is the greatest scheme of things is that I've now got my parents guidance from a different angle mm-hmm. and from a different perspective. And I can feel it because I don't think without the friend I chose to be vulnerable with, I would have gone this far. So that is like, if I can say or give the dreaded word advice to somebody or share my experience is, Pick someone you trust with everything. And it doesn't have to be your best mate or a family member or a, you will feel if you can trust that person. And trust that person to tell everything to your worst, darkest thoughts, your worst fears, everything, because if you can trust that person enough they trust you enough and that's where you get connection yeah that human connection is so important and that's where my journey of healing came in Mm -hmm. because it's a fascinating thing
0: well it sounds like clearly you know once you've chosen that person in your situation where you unload everything yeah it's acted as like a opportunity for you to then share this with with everyone you know you're here sitting with me we met today you just read us an excerpt from your from your diary you know then other friends can be let in I guess yeah and I think what you touched on there which is really hopeful positive message for anyone going through the same thing is that what your parents have taught you in life has not stopped with their death you know, you're still learning things. Yeah, you're still improving as a result of your relationship with them, even though they're not here anymore. Yeah, I think that's a really amazingly beautiful, positive outlook to have when you've come from, you know, like you said, two, on paper, really bad things happen to you. You know, yeah. you've you've grown. Yeah. Um. Oh, that was that was really beautiful. <laughs> you said, "Well, that was really beautiful." There was something else I wanted to say. now I can't think of it. But that's that's normal, I guess. Um. I think when
1: it, – it's so crazy because I, don't, I think we've all experienced this and, I, and I, I, I touched on this with my friend Nate the other night. And I remember, you know, when you're a kid and you lie in bed at night or you get that thought sometimes of what happens when my parents die mm-hmm. and you get that disgusting, gross, yucky feeling in your belly and it's just a thought and you're like, oh, it's not going to happen anytime soon. The last time that happened to me was when I first immigrated.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I was lying in bed in an apartment in Sydney and I got that thought. And it was like, it, it's a punch to the stomach. And you push the thought out. You're like, oh, me. he's still got so much time. Mom mm. and dad still have got so much time. That's not going to happen. And then the other day I was thinking, it feels nothing like that. That feeling, and I think we all think it, we all have that thought of, oh, losing my parents or, oh, it's gross. Mm. It's in that moment, you can push that thought out, but when it happens, you can't push it out and you wish you could. Yeah. yeah. It's like you have to just deal with it because you, oh, I'm going to wake up tomorrow and it's going to be so, fine. Yeah but it's still there. It's still going to be there the next day and the next week. And for me, because I'd never lost anyone close to me, I never really understood that feeling, but I think there's something really, I don't know if it's like a preparation for just an inkling of what you'll feel but it's surprising at how much and what yeah, how much strength and resilience you have mm. when you have no choice but to deal with it. And that's what I've learned is that us as human beings are so resilient and we can take on so much sorry, the dogs are all already yeah. been overrun
0: by <laughs> dogs, which is dream world for me, but you're saying something poignant.
1: <laughs> um for me it's it's a sense of you can choose at how resilient you want to be
2: mm-hmm.
1: you can choose how you want to handle a situation and it's all learning we 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 don't poor marlo, <laughs> oh, marlo. He honestly hates her. Sorry.
0: We've got two dogs here that have a new to each <laughs> yeah. other. One is not fond of the other is what I'm sensing.
1: He actually hates her. <laughs> legitimately. <laughs> um, and I think it's... That's one thing I can take from grief is you find yourself. Yeah. If you allow yourself to find yourself.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Because... you. And I said this to a friend the other day um, you don't go through life you grow through life mm-hmm. and you don't you can either be your own worst enemy or your own therapist and that's one thing I've learned is I haven't gone for therapy since mm-hmm. since all of this I've literally been my therapist with my oh,
0: that's that's terrible. Okay. My, um, going, yeah, say it, girl. I'm yeah. with you. Amen. <laughs> <Right>. Amen. <laughs> yeah.
1: um, you don't. I didn't need a therapist because I knew I had it in me, mm-hmm. but I just needed to hit rock bottom to say, I don't like feeling like this anymore. I need to do something, and it was just the perfect timing where Will comes in and I choose him to be that person I'm
2: mm-hmm.
1: my most vulnerable with, and it's safe. It, I, I know that there's things I've told him that I probably haven't touched on with, with you yet and that's so fine mm-hmm. and I know I feel safe and that's totally okay. And that's where my biggest um, learning curve came was just choosing that person. I think it's so incredibly
2: important.
0: Mm. I think that's what I'm hearing. Is I think it's always an obvious place to end these podcasts by asking how has this changed you? Mm. Um But I feel you've touched on it, which is that for you, the big advice seemed to be journal if and when you can, Mm -hmm. choose someone to unload on, Mm -hmm. and then through them, you know, you can unload on more people. That's it. Um, I guess from a friend's point of view, if you're not that person who's initially chosen, don't stay away. Mm. Come back in six months, come back in 12 months, you know.
1: I think with the friends, um, your friend, the one thing I wanted to say this earlier is when my dad died i remember i was fascinated how quickly people moved on i was like why we're not talking about him anymore why but life carries on and you can either be the victim of i'm just going to sit in this or but your, your life has to carry on you know you've got to go to work you've got to pick yourself up you've got bills to pay you've got a career to carry on and that was my biggest task was just keep going just mm. and it was wrong. And I'll see it now that I should have put the grief first, but my friends were brilliant. They, they always have been. I'm very, 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 very blessed to have the circle of friends I have. And they would they still ask me now, how do you feel? Mm. How do you, you know, I've given them perspective on their, friend, their, their relationships with their parents mm. and. If that, if that comes out of my grief and my experience, I'm happy about that. Yeah. Because I would never want a loved one or one of my best friends to feel how I felt because of that guilt of that last phone call with my dad.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's like, yes, your parents piss you off. We piss our parents off. But I wish I said, okay, dad, I get it, I love you. It was just like, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. You're so selfish. But that was totally out of fear. Always say I love you. That's... I say it to all my friends, as soon as I get off the phone, I love you. Mm-hmm. Because you just never know. It's as cliche as it is. Totally. It's so cliche, but it's so true.
0: Well, I just want to end by saying this, which is that I've been, I'm sort of in like an Adam Buxton world at the moment. Mm. I've read his book in 24 hours yesterday and I've listened to podcast he put out recently about the loss of his mum and the question he asked himself when his mum died and it was soon after his dad Mm. died was um, did I do well enough as a son you know was I a good son and listening to your story you're your dad's best mate Mm. you know it's crystal clear that you did an amazing job as a daughter thank you Um, and I can't imagine what you've been through and I can't imagine how much guts it took To have this conversation and to be sharing what you're sharing and doing what you're doing um and doing it with a smile thank you so thank you so so much for sitting down with us
1: thank you very much and
0: i have no doubt this will help people going through the same thing as you or people going through the same thing as me with friends going through this and you know what do you say and do i really Um, hope and i hope it i hope it's helped you too
1: there's one thing that i did last week though that i want to just say before we go is it's a bit of a exercise and if you can do it for, if you're not grieving, if you, we say, I love you willy nilly nowadays. Do the people in your life know why you love them? So I did an exercise and I I, I wrote down all my best friends and I wanted to write exactly why I love them. And I told them all, I've read, read it out and each of, each of, every one of them have cried because mm. it's, it's nice to know why you are loved. And I did it with my dad. I put my dad and my mom there. And it was so insightful to see why I loved my mom and why I loved my dad, because it's not the same. <laughs> they were so so different, but so much the same as well. It was had so many sim- uh, like similarities in them. But you love people for different reasons. And I think it was a really great, exercise for me because it put mine and my dad's relationship into a nutshell and it put mine and my mom's relationship Mm. into a nutshell and I think that guilt of me going why am I not so sad for my mom as well as was with my dad I didn't love them any less than each other I just had a different bond and a relationship with my dad yeah so that was a good little exercise to do
0: which you can which we can all do quite easily
1: very very easily
0: and then I don't know if we've got time to touch on this but yeah You mentioned just before we start recording that you watched a video recently which changed your life. Yes. We cannot, I I will be Uh. driving home regretting not asking (laughs) so we can share this.
1: Okay, so um, Ben's mum, her name's Kelly. She's brilliant. Just to give you a bit of a background. She um, has fought cancer three times. Mm. Powerful woman, powerhouse, and so wise and knowledgeable. And she said, Danny, I need you to watch read these books. I need you to watch this like documentary slash movie on YouTube. And I need you to watch this 10 minute clip, mm-hmm. Ted talk. The Ted talk was about gratitude. Great. That blew my mind. And then the documentary is called finding Joe. Mm-hmm. And it talks about, it just touches on, we've all got a journey and it's, it's, it's based on the book, A Hero's Journey. Mm-hmm. You are the hero. And it shows, Marlo, and it shows you've got your call to adventure. So that's where your life changed. And it's got your different mentors. And it's got, it's, a, it's... when I stopped it, I phoned my, uh, my best mate and I was like, you have to stop and you have to watch this. Mm-hmm. And I was so excited and I was crying and I was laughing and I was like sad, but I wasn't. And it was one of those things where I was like, you have got to watch this. It puts everything into perspective. Mm -hmm. And through that little exercise, I've gone through all my turmoil. I've gone through everything and now I'm on my way out. Mm -hmm. So if anybody needs to, needs a bit more perspective on how it works or how, Greater Meaningful Life, Finding Joe Mm -hmm. on YouTube, changed my life in an hour and 15 minutes. Amazing. It was phenomenal.
0: I cannot wait for other people to watch this and get in touch with you and I and be like, oh my God.
1: It is so good. Cool, I'm so passionate about that. So I've ordered the book, I've ordered um, two copies, one for me and one for my best friend that was my vulnerability partner. Mm -hmm. And we're going to read it. And that's, um, I think that's the last step to my little personal development thing on the grief
0: side. Cool. All right. Yeah. I feel like we could do a part two and a part three. And we could, 100%. There's so, so much more we, we could, could talk about. Absolutely, there's so much more we could talk about. We could easily sit down six months or 12 months and, yeah. and catch up then. But thank, thank you me. so, so much for doing thank this.
1: Thank you so much. It's been, it's really been liberating and a very, very beautiful Um, experience so
2: thank you thank you for doing what you do not at all because it helps and it works